Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, ODPH Society? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio for this episode is the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, and comics. Some late-breaking news is going to lead us into yeah. this episode. So join in that conversation on social media. We definitely want to talk with you. OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in that conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. You can tell by the sound of my voice I'm a little amped up right now. A little bit. Some big news came down that we had to actually rewrite the entire show for. Yeah. Pad Lead us in. So we got some interesting Marvel news, and this comes on off the heels of uh, Disney's quarter two earnings call they had yesterday, uh, which was already interesting enough just because their stock got downgraded from buy to neutral. Uh, so not all, not a good thing in terms of the stock buying business. If you know the analysts look at it and go, eh, no, it's not the best time to buy that stock. No, definitely not. Yeah. So they had a, and I saw that news. I was like, and then I saw in a tweet right after that that they had a earnings call for their investors already scheduled for that same day. I'm like, well, that's going to make things interesting. Lo and behold, they did not wait long to announce things and kind of get the investors' enthusiasm kicked back up. Uh, Chairman Bob Iger during yesterday's earnings call confirmed that development work on the studio side uh, for Marvel has continued despite the shutdown over the C-19 pandemic. Future projects are being developed, written, and post-production on Disney Plus shows is continuing. So any reports you might have seen on the internet saying, oh, because of the pandemic, everything's shut down, nothing's getting work done. No. Not the case. You can work on post-production stuff from the house. It's very easy these days with cloud servers and whatnot, you know, and especially with, you know, with writers being all having their own computers and laptops. And I mean, Christ, you can even type a script on your phone these days. You know, it's very easy to work on. So despite the C-19, yeah, filming is not going on right now. Projects are getting pushed back. But in terms of future projects, they're still getting worked on. It is a beautiful thing when technology is working in your favor. Yeah. And to see that we have some news that some shows are in development, maybe some yeah. films. Yeah. But just the fact that this feels like a sense of normalcy that mm-hmm. we're actually getting back to where we might start seeing some characters appear on the small screen or big screen. Yeah. That's the best feeling right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about, and this is coming from uh, Geeks Worldwide, uh, they reported uh, finding about finding information on a secret Warriors project at Marvel Studios uh, that's looking for a writer. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Conrad of MCUCosmic.com uh, can confirm that their report is accurate. He said... Uh, the quote more than more than that, the Secret Warriors project lines up with a lot of rumors about what Marvel is looking to do, specifically on the TV side. Close quote. He goes on to say that basically, uh, after in a lot of people might remember that after it was announced that uh, the seventh season of Agents of Shield uh, would be its final one, there were rumors uh, behind the scenes of the heads at ABC talking to Kevin Feige and, and saying, "Hey, we know Agents of Shield is getting ready to to finish, but we still want something Marvel." Uh, for the for the broadcast television side of things. And really, I remember reading those rumors, and that was kind of like the last you'd heard of it, and nothing ever really came out of it. Right. It kind of just kind of really got pushed to the wayside. That Obviously, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we know is coming up on their final season. It's kicking off on May 27th, the Wednesday. Yep. So we do know that that might lead into something, but what it was yeah. going to spawn into, because they've already... 
lightly touched upon the Secret Warriors saga for the third season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. So now this one, if they go the route we think they're going, is going to be right in line with the comic. Yeah. Which I'm super, super amped up about. Oh, yeah. No, so uh, now it looks like it, you know, with this, because initial rumor said it was going to be Agents of Sword, and there was a rumor of that, and I know that was really getting played off of the post credit scene from Captain Marvel right. that came out back in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, 2019, whatever it was. Uh, they're all blending together at this point. Uh, but it might not be the actual spinoff, because that really doesn't have anything to do with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as we know it. So... And especially they're going to have, it sounds like they're going to have Quake, a.k.a. Daisy Johnson, uh, in the show. So it's going to be something very interesting to look at. But they got to, it looks like they had, they're looking for a writer for the Secret Warriors project. And it falls in line with, okay, if you're going to bring over some of the characters, as is rumored, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not all of them, some of them, there's no report or rumors on who they're bringing over other than Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake. And I would imagine Yo-Yo would be in there as well. You know, maybe maybe Mac, you know, just for a little flaring shotgun axe because reasons. Yes, reasons. You know, that they're going to bring some of those over and it's going to spin off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this would make sense for the television side of things because, hey, that audience is already very well established with those characters and you can already sell it on. Hey, you remember those folks from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? They're not done yet. No, definitely not. Chloe Bennett, we assume, would be the title, yeah. the lead actress on this show. Yeah. And really be the driving point because if you're not familiar with the Secret Warriors comic... Let me give you just a quick synopsis. Mm -hmm. This was a spinoff during the whole secret invasion storyline that was going on that right. has been long rumored to be dipped in upon the MCU. Right. Where the Skrulls have been having sleeper agents throughout the MCU for a very, very long time, like decades in the making. Mm -hmm. And they were going to make a, a small play to take over the planet Earth. Right. And this was Nick Fury's way of working underground, especially what was going on from Secret Invasion to Dark Reign and having his own sleeper cell agents that could be the last standing ground for S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And this is where he recruited Daisy Johnson and Yo-Yo, which we've all seen on the actual Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, mm -hmm. and had some different characters involved the way, too. Some had lineage to other characters in the MCU. Some were brand new. And the story really kind of dips in between uh, very, very black ops, very underground, sure, very, sure. very spy-like, which I love. Oh, yeah. And especially when this was coming out of Jonathan Hickman's writing, and you know he how much of a big fan of him I am with Powers of Ten and, yeah. and House of X. Same here. So to see what he's going to really do, I mean, these have been long drawn out plans. Side note, Powers of X and House of, and, uh, House of X. Both just added to Marvel Unlimited. So if you have that service and you haven't read either of those lines, go check them out. I definitely need to reread it. Oh, so good. So good. I digress. I'm Man, I'm super amped up about this, this segment. I can't like, oh, I got to refocus. So talking about this, though, mm -hmm. this is where the show, I think, can really find some legs on it. Yeah. But it really depends on what they want to spin out in. Because for the show to rehash the storyline we've seen with Agents of Shield, they got to come with a different tone. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I think the Black Ops, you know, underground, real secret thing is is something they can definitely bank on. I know NBC has their show Blacklist, which has been very popular and very successful for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Not a, haven't watched it myself. I know my dad watches it. Bit my dad is a huge fan of it, and I know several people who are. But you know, Blacklist, you know, spy, espionage, secrecy. Very much in the same vein. It's worked on other shows in the past. 
It definitely has, and I think that there is a place for it. Let's say, in, Christ, in look, look, at, look at the Bonds franchise. It's been spy and espionage stuff for you know fifty years. Oh, absolutely. But to see it come on a network show, because we're yeah. we're assuming this is what we the unofficial ODPH guesses. Yeah, we're assuming this is going to ABC. Right. ABC really needs to push the letter with the show mm-hmm. if they're going to do it. Put it back on ten p.m. Yeah, you can't do it any earlier. No, and really go with it and make it the spy show it needs to be. Because anything less mm-hmm. is going to be a disservice to yeah. the source material, to the characters. And if you really want to get out of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shadow, sure. you got to go hard with it. Oh, yeah. You can't sit there and go cookie cutter. You have to really push the envelope. Like it, 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 The only thing I want to compare it to is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season four. Yeah. The Ghost Rider season. Yeah. Where they really, that show took liberties and it paid off. And it was not the same old wash, rinse, repeat. Hey, we're in the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they went some directions. They made it, I don't want to say dark, but they went into darker tones. Sure. And I think that benefits, especially if you want to go into the gravity of the situation for the Secret Warriors. If you're not going to have Nick Fury involved, I'm not saying you're going to have Coulson involved, even though he's now in uh, Life Model Decoy. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could add him in. Sure. Makes sense. But I think you're going to have a new figurehead in of S.H.I.E.L.D. Could be. I don't know if they would do Nick Fury Jr. I know he was introduced in the comics. I, like, I don't know Might how get they, messy. It definitely would get messy. I don't think they were going to go that far. But to introduce a new team in there and have them go in a different direction. I think Coulson would be the easiest way to go about it just because, and this isn't a slight against Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson's a little expensive. He is. I know he definitely wants to come back in to the MCU, and I know he would. I don't know necessarily he would want to do it for network TV. I think. No, and that's the thing is like network TV budgets are not exactly movie uh, movie budgets. So Sam Jackson would eat up, unless he took a huge pay cut to do it, would eat up a good chunk of that uh, budget. Yeah, I definitely would. I just I don't know exactly how it would go, but the fact that we're actually going to get a new show. Yeah. That is blowing my mind right now, and if they can really follow the source material, albeit, though, they have to really take some liberties because I know with the Kraken involved, mm-hmm. and I know that is eventually what turned into Ward in, in that Season 3. That whole Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3 is going to have to get re- retconned yeah. if they really want to do the source material, or they got to really pick and choose what they're going to dabble in. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the realm for them to retcon stuff. I mean, you look at how they did uh, Mandarin in Iron Man 3 and just how god-awful atrocious that was, but you look at what's coming up with Shang-Chi in the, the Shang-Chi film in the, in the next couple of years, whenever it comes out, and that's going to deal with Mandarin. So they've, they've got a history of dealing with messy pasts. True. And that's a good point, too, because it's going to be the same medium, because that's the yeah. only thing, when you're going to have the same characters involved, right? like... I like. I'm sure they're gonna have a great story to explain it, mm-hmm. but you're gonna really need to explain it. But that is just. I a- also take solace that like I I get the feeling if this project ends up happening and it ends up coming to television, it's gonna be great. Not to you know kind of crap on Jeff Loeb a little bit, but some of the stuff he put out over the years, especially seasons one and two of Agent Carter, as good as that was, all over the place. Yeah, and especially certain seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a little all over the place. I feel like with Kevin Feige at the helm and kind of directing the ship, as it were, it might be a little more streamlined. It might be more streamlined. It's going to be a different vision, yeah. which is going to be exciting to see. How can it be a different vision? He's dead. Oh, but um bum Well played, Pat. Thank you. I just think with this show, it's got a lot of potential to get some new takes on it, yeah. new, new fresh eyes on it, and it's what they sorely need. Because now with the Kevin Feige... TV universe, and I'm going to include Disney Plus in with this. Yeah, 
this is going to be a whole new world that we're going to see a lot of different uh, risks taken, a lot of new elements. And to see it come on network TV, as we're assuming, they're going to really have to come out swinging. Mm -hmm. And especially to get out of the shadow of a universe that's already established. Yeah. Because we've already had Agents Shield. We've already had Agents Carter, like you touched upon. On the Hulu side, we had Cloak and Dagger. We had Runaways. Mm-hmm. And the Netflix universe, we're just going to leave alone right now. So that's not part of this. But for what has already been established on the TV side of things, they need to come out with some really, I don't want to say edgy, but I think you have to. No, I think I think you do just because you want to differentiate from everything that's come in the past. I mean, that's the reason Jeff Loeb is no longer in charge of the television side of things. That's the reason Kevin Feige is overseeing things. You know, you didn't like what was being done. You think you can do it better. You have to change it up. You have to make it darker. You have to make it edgier. Now, I'm not saying like HBO Game of Thrones level dark. No. But some, you know, it can't be all cookie cutter, lovey-dovey, you know, bright and sunshine spy stuff. Like, it's got to be messy. It's got to get a little, you, you know, you viewers got to be sitting at home and then some of the subject material, they're still like, ah, I'm not exactly comfortable with this. Like, what the heck is going on? You know, it, it's got to come out the gate swinging, like you said. Just be a real spy show, like the yeah. source material, because I love that story, and that is why I was super amped up a little earlier in this segment. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to say it, because I really loved that comic, so I will definitely be marking out. I'll be watching first day. Yeah. Like I say, when you show me something that's going to be on screen, and they're really going to take some time with it, and I hope they follow the source material, man, I can't wait to see this. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm fiending to see this. But that is not the only one that we heard about today. No, so the other one we heard about today uh, comes to us via Daniel Rickman and also the direct, uh, who, and uh, I'm going to read from the article from mcucosmic.com. Uh, it says, quote, The collapse of Marvel television has seen a lot of characters freed up for the use of Kevin Feige in Marvel Studios, one of which has been suspected to be destined for a movie or TV show for a long time. Last year, the Hulu Ghost Rider series featuring Gabriel Luna reprising his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. role was suddenly canceled right before filming was to begin. Back then, it was suspected that the cancellation was due to Kevin Feige wanting to use the character. Now comes the news that Feige may indeed be using Ghost Rider, according to Daniel Rickman, via the Direct, who says that Marvel has begun development on something using Ghost Rider. As with everything connected to Marvel Studios in 2020, it's equally possible this could be a Disney Plus thing or a movie for theaters. Prior to Marvel Television being merged into Marvel Studios, Jeff Loeb had big plans for a supernatural universe on Hulu. Marvel registered trademarks for Hellstorm, Ghost Rider, Glyph, and Spirits of Vengeance. And Elsa Bloodstone was destined to appear in an ABC television series. Now, only Hellstorm remains of those, which frees up all of those other supernatural characters to be used by Marvel Studios in the future, close quote. And I should note, yes, the Hellstorm series is coming to Hulu, but my understanding is it's a one and done. Right, it's going to be the last of the Jeff Loeb era. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be all said and done. But the fact now that we are getting Ghost Rider? Yep, and let me just say this now, it ain't Nick Cage. Well, my skull's on fire. Uh, Just just let let us realize this. We are actually going to get a Ghost Rider in the MCU. We're going to get a Ghost Rider movie that you're not embarrassed to tell people you actually saw. I'm not embarrassed to say I saw that. I am just letting this moment sink in that we're actually going to get Norman Reedus to be Johnny Blaze. Well, that's that's who you want. That's not who's being reported, and nobody's being reported for that Nobody's role. being reported yet, but I'm throwing that casting out because i got to imagine The Walking Dead will be wrapping up soon. I have to. I, I, I'm just guessing that they'll be packing that up, and they'll finally free him up. I'm just going to throw that karma out in the world. But the fact that we're actually going to get a Ghost Rider movie and the fact that also on Conrad's Twitter, 
there was the picture of the Midnight Suns. Mm-hmm. And to see that group that is in that mix was Blade, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange. I'm assuming Hannibal King from mm-hmm. the Night Stalkers. Yep. And Damian Hellstorm. Yep. Take my money now. Well, that's the see that's interesting because run through the list again. Blade. Okay. Uh, future movie coming. Ghost Rider. Uh, future something coming. We don't know. Punisher. Uh, who the hell knows because they can't use the character for at least another year, I think. I think that ties into November is the earliest, but I, th- I want to say they follow suit in January. Uh, I'd have to look up when the series, the final season aired on Netflix because it's two years from then. I want to say, I think it was January because I know the last one was Jessica Jones, and I think that was right. March. Yeah, okay, so who the hell knows? So we'll just say January. Let's just run with that for this yeah. article. All right, so Moon Knight okay, in, uh, in production. There's something in production. I want, if, if I remember right, it's Hulu, I Dis- think? No, Disney Plus. Is it Disney Plus? Okay. Yeah, that was part of the Miss Marvel, She-Hulk uh, tandem. Oh, like that's those right. The three of them announced. That's them. right. Doctor Strange. Movie. Night Stalkers, well, I'm assuming there was two characters I couldn't really tell who they were. Yeah. So I'm assuming one looked like Hannibal King from the Night Stalkers comic, which right. was the original Midnight Suns right. from the 90s. Could just as easily be introduced in the new uh, the next Doctor Strange movie. Right, because, I mean, I know that he did appear in the Blade trilogy, mm. um, I believe by Ryan Reynolds, of all people, if memory oh. serves me right. Wow. It has been a very long time since I've seen Blade 3, folks, so if I'm wrong about that, hashtag ODPH and correct me if I'm wrong. All right, so maybe they introduced him in the Blade movie. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Could and then happen. and then you have Damien Hellstorm. Right, which they got the the Hulu series coming, but that's Jeff. Yeah. That that I get, but but then they're already talking Secret Warriors and having uh Daisy Ridley show or not Daisy Ridley. No, no. <laughs> Daisy Daisy Johnson show up. So If Daisy Ridley showed up, man, I think the internet might crash for a we, sec. Yeah, no, the internet definitely might crash. Um so it it'll be interesting just because this is uncharted territory for, you know, Marvel television and movies just because we all remember Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they had quote-unquote crossover episodes or what have you, but it was always just, oh, hey, here's Lady Sif from Thor. Here's, you know, random background character from the movie that just happens to be in there. Hey, do you remember we're in the Avengers? Hey, we were in the, we were in the Avengers. You know, and do you remember the incident? Do you remember the incident? It's always been like, oh, hey, here's a loose connection, but we've never actually seen any characters cross over. So it'll be interesting to see. And especially with Foggy running the ship, that anybody that's involved in the Ghost Rider project, whether it's going to be TV or movie, you know there's going to be cameos galore. I hate to be the person writing out all these actors and actresses' contracts because, my God, that's going to be really confusing to write out. Well, you have to figure that... It's not It's not as easy as back in the day when he signed Robert Downey Jr. to however many films. It's like, all right, you're, you're uh, contracted to appear in X number of films. Now it's a little more messy. Well, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a little more messy, but if you really want to take a look at it, out of the group that we read, mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali is signed. Yep. So if Not he, the current uh, phase of films, but the I want to say phase five after that. But he's signed for the MCU. Yes. So let's just – he his deal is locked in. So if they wanted to put him in a Disney Plus show for whatever reason, I'm sure that's in the contract already. Yeah. So I'm going to say he's already booked. Yep. Benedict Cumberbatch. Doctor Strange. Lock signed and sealed. He's been signed, so I don't know if anything has been added there. I would assume Kevin Feige might do some spinning to get him involved right. if it made sense. Right. Like Much like if he's going to be in WandaVision, which we don't know. Right. I would imagine he shows up like at the end. Uh, yeah, like I said, there could be anything involved with that. Everybody else that we've named off character-wise is in casting or extreme pre-production. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's going to get signed to it... 
you have to imagine they will get added to like a Disney. Like there's got to be like a clause for Disney Plus now. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of like the the film deal. Like they might include okay, you're signed for ten films, be three major motion pictures, seven appearances on Disney Plus, like something like that. Yeah, I can definitely see happening. And if Ghost Rider is going to be one kicking it off, which we've all wanted to see a real Ghost Rider movie, mm-hmm. like one that is an MCU complete badass. I don't know if they would go rated R because we haven't dipped into that territory just yet under the Feige regime. I'll just wait till uh, uh, Deadpool 3. Well, okay, but that's going to be Deadpool 3, and we have to really wait and see what we get with that. I'm just going to put an asterisk by him, though, because he's until he crosses over and I see him swing, you know, hanging out with Spider-Man. Oh, they're, they're already working on it. Reynolds confirmed as much. Well, <laughs> I will take it when I actually see it on screen. I know three is in works. I will yeah. say that. Reynolds has, Reynolds has said as much, digging into, the, into his history on uh, the internet. Yeah, that's fair, fair enough, but I just want to say until we actually see something where yeah. Ghost Rider is going, Ghost Rider, uh, I know they really pushed the envelope on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is apples to oranges, but to see what Feige does with him, and especially with that group involved, hmm. you don't do PG-13 Punisher. No. You need to go the full level. So I don't know if this would necessarily wind up on Hulu as a show. I don't know. There ain't no way it's going to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, this is tell you that right now. I know. That's the only place it's not going to wind up. But just the fact that we're actually going to have like a Midnight Suns mini-universe, yes, I'm trying to really keep calm about this because – I loved that series when it was in the 90s, like all those books. Albeit, though, it's a little different because they do have different characters involved now. Like, they haven't introduced the Darkhold. They did do that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. but very different comparison. Yeah. But to see that we're actually going to get Ghost Rider, it could be Johnny Blaze, it could be Dan Ketch. Who knows it's going to be? Like, I would love to see a Spirits of Vengeance show. Yeah. And do both and have Robbie Reyes involved, what if, too. What if it's Cosmic Ghost Rider? Just go full balls to the wall. <laughs> At this stage, why not? Like you've I mean, already, like you've already done, you know the Johnny Blaze version. You've already had like the version from the movies and the version on TV. Like, all right, you got a fair one. Cosmic Ghost Rider, because why not? Because Cosmic Ghost Rider is right now the hottest character at Marvel. No pun intended. Uh-huh. So it, you're going to see him appear sooner than later. And I'm not doubting Guardians of the Galaxy three. Could be. I'm really not down that. Like in a cameo or something, you're going to see him show up. Could be. But if they really want to run it with that, I'm okay with that. But it looks like this one's going to be the more grounded group so to speak with dr strange i just the fact we're getting this and wherever they want to go with it let it happen let, yeah. it, let it go wild i'd love to see the dan catch version so if they don't want to get norman reedus as johnny blaze just off the gate i'm okay with it uh just because it'd be something different to see the dan catch version has been great in the comics and especially if you want to talk like the 90s resurgence mm. of ghost rider that's when like you had a real horror comic yeah like this the weirdest pop-up comic i've ever seen is we had his throat ripped out in issue 25 good lord it's 90s yeah like if you really want to go dip into the weird yeah go research 90s comics and you can go through the chromane covers and pop-ups that are certain writers in the 70s yeah but that's a whole different ball of wax uh-huh but wait, we're still not done. So, I mean, okay, let's just wrap up Ghost Rider. Final thoughts on this. Can't wait to see it. Really, I wonder what they're going to do with it just because, like you said, there's so many different versions they could do and so many different ways they could do it. If they go the Norman Reedus route, I want to see a, a cameo appearance from Andrew Lincoln. Not as Rick Grimes, but just as somebody. It's just because those two are so intertwined together. Well, what if he was Hannibal King? Ooh, okay. I'll throw that out there. Okay. Internet, let's see what we do. Or maybe he, even him as uh, Damian Hellstorm. I could see that. All right, fan casting. Let's make this happen. Just the fact we're getting a Ghost Rider, like my excitement level is like through the roof. Let it happen. Feige has done no wrong just yet. 
Uh, I just want to see a, a real Ghost Rider movie, though. Well, he had one misstep, but yeah. he had one misstep. But give me my real Johnny Blaze, Dan Catch, Hellfire Shotgun, all types of just insanity mm-hmm. on wheels. Give me that series. Give me, give me, give me, and give me Midnight Suns for the win, baby. But we're still not done. There are rumors going around that we're still trying to track down. So this one is a little more less confirmed, but there is some steam getting to it. So hopefully by next week we'll have a little more information on it. Mm-hmm. That there is an Iron Heart series in the works hmm. for Disney Plus. Interesting. So trying to get a little more confirmation about that. I I'm really excited to see that. The story of Riri Williams, which I thought was going to be the next franchise they do for the big screen. Right. Uh, if they're going to do, introduce her on Disney Plus, I'm completely fine with it. The 15 year old prodigy that t- makes her own suit and takes over the Iron Man uh, mantle. Mon- the mantle and carves her own path with it. I'm all for. I don't think this will tie into the eventual Young Avengers movie or um, show that I have has been long rumored, and I think that is they're slowly setting up for. However, I could be wrong. I mean, you look at the pieces and the puzzle lines up and says Young Avengers. It does, but the only thing is with that storyline, and if we're going to be talking spoilers, I'm giving you a fair warning right now. They have a character involved called Iron Lad, mm-hmm. and knowing that character's history. It would not make up with the difference of Iron Heart in the story. Like, you'd have two Iron Warriors. So just swap out Iron Lad for Iron Heart. But you can't because of how the story is. Oh. Because Iron Lad has ties to Kang, gotcha. the Conqueror. Gotcha. And if memory serves me right, you deal. It, it's a little more trickier to have to swap out Iron Lad originally. Now, I originally thought they were going to do the boy from Iron Man 3 who did appear in Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. as he would be taken over the mantle of Iron Lad. Now, if they want to rewrite that and do that, okay. But if you're going to follow the source material, you can't do Iron Lad and Iron Heart for Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. It just it would be too too complicated. If you want to do like a spinoff and maybe do a champion series, I'd be okay with that because I know that's a more recent one that they've had at Marvel. No, nah, so, feels like it's too much too soon. They'd have to if they're doing because you look at the pieces on the puzzle. You've got the Hawkeye series coming, which is going to feature his daughter mm-hmm. in it. You've got uh, Scott Lang's daughter, who after the events of the snap and the five years and all that, very much older. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just kind of look at the pieces on the puzzle and go, okay, they're very clearly setting up for a Young Avengers something. I would imagine a Disney Plus series, just because I don't. You know, I realize people said this about Guardians of the Galaxy back in the day, but. I feel the same still applies. I, I hear Young Avengers movie, and I just go, that doesn't smell box office success. That seems more like a Disney Plus thing that eventually might lead into them appearing in a future film. Yeah, I could definitely see them making like a cameo in the next big Avengers crossover. Yeah, yeah. Like That would make more sense, because the Young Avengers, I don't think, is a franchise that could run in a film. No. I definitely see it filling in the void of Runaways. Mm, yeah. It definitely has elements that it could be done. I mean, the the comic was very good. And when they originally came out by Alan Heidenberg mm-hmm. or Heidenberg and uh, Jimmy Chung, mm-hmm. uh, both of those artists or creators really made a great run with it and really took some liberties of going with the characters. And there's so many elements that you're seeing now in the second wave right. of the MCU on Disney Plus that is 
tying in with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ruling out. But if they want to substitute Iron Lad out and rewrite the story, so to speak, and put Iron Heart in, I'd be okay with it. But then yeah. they also have Miss Marvel in there too. There's so many unknown elements going on with this. It's anybody's guess. But the fact we're getting a Riri Williams series. Potentially. Potentially, but I like I said, I think there's a lot of smoke to it. And where there's smoke, there's fire. MCU came out swinging. Yeah. And for a much-needed news segment, I'm all on board. I love the three that we've heard about. Like I said, hopefully next week we'll have a little more confirmation on Ironheart. But either way, it sounds like the House of Ideas is starting to you know slowly get back in the swing of things. And we haven't heard any more casting on any of the other characters they've talked about. No. I, w- I was expecting at San Diego Comic-Con, if it was going to happen, we'd hear about Moon Knight and She-Hulk and maybe Miss Marvel. We still might at some point. I'm not doubting that we won't get like maybe a virtual booth, so to speak, from Marvel. Uh, who knows? Over the summer, because I don't. Knows? I don't think they'd hold off on it that long. And I know that there is always where's Keanu Reeves winding up. Yeah. Which I'm just saying, put him as Moon Knight and let him run. I'd be all for. It. Yeah. But Pad. To close out the segment, which one are you most excited for, and what's the final thoughts? Probably Secret Warriors, just because if it's going to tie in with Agents of Shield, that's a show I've watched, you know, from episode one. I'm very familiar with the characters, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of spy and espionage stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do with that. For me, take your pick. I'm excited for Secret Warriors if it's based off the Hickman run, and they really want to make a real spy show out of it. Let's run with it. If it's Ghost Rider, give me a real Ghost Rider. Give me an edgy one. Give me something that... So you don't want any one-liners saying his skull's on fire. I mean, I wouldn't mind a Nick Cage cameo. God, fuck no. <laughs> like, just... No. No, like, just have him, like, sitting in a booth or something. The like, man is it? playing Joe Exotic in some Tiger King something or other CBS is making. Yes. No. The man can literally say no to any job offer. Or he cannot I, say he, no. He can't say no, so that's what I'm saying. You can just put him in a cameo no. that he's sitting in a diner watching like the everybody go race by, it'd be okay. No. And like I say, for for Ironheart, I'm okay with, and if they want to add it to the Alan Heinberg and Jimmy Cheung, uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing those names right, for the creators of the Young Avengers, if they want to add Riri Williams to that universe and do like a sub-universe with those characters, I'm all for it. Man, it is finally good to have some really creations – our creative ideas come into life with the creations of Marvel and really see where we're going to run with this. I'm super amped up about it. Pad's amped up about it. Oh, yeah. How about you, ODPH Society? What is your thoughts on the MC, or dare I say, Marvel Studios bombshells? Because we don't know where in the MCU they're going to land, but still they're all connected. So let's just run with it. How about those MCU bombshells? Which one are you most excited for and why? Let's have that conversation. Hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.
Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to do our CW recap. Yes. A lot of shows going on this week, and we actually caught them all. Yeah. So the first time that we got a chance to do that. So we are going to be talking spoilers if you are not caught up with the latest Arrowverse shows from the CW, because we are going to start talking about them in three, two, one. Let's go to Central City with The Flash. Mm-hmm. Pat, what you think? thought it was a very good episode. Um can see how they're building up to the end of it and can also see how it's not exactly a true ending that they might have planned. Uh, still enjoyed it, though. Definitely enjoyed it. it a step in the right direction. But anytime, like I, I stress about this with The Flash, when you involve characters that are part of his rogues gallery mm-hmm. or he has history with, they usually shine even better than your more recent villains. And for this season of The Flash, when we've had Grodd appear, yeah. it's been on point. To see the return of the Pied Piper yeah. to the show has been a welcome addition. Andy Minas, mm-hmm. who I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, uh, is returning to reprise the role of Hartley Rathaway. Uh, fallen with a twist. Yes, with a little bit of a twist. Because uh, uh, crisis. Yes, which we're dealing with. Okay, how is the Pied Piper involved with this one? Mm-hmm. And we do see that he does have a bone to pick with the Flash but for a little bit of different reasons because during one of their outings, it was shown that the Flash is responsible for an accident which took out one of the Pied Piper's henchmen. I think think it was his right-hand man. Yes. And you see that due to a scientific uh, force force hits, lightning hits, something else, that the gentleman, who goes by the name of Roderick, yeah, uh, loses control of the molecules of his body. Almost reminded me uh, of I. What was the character's name in Ant Man and the Wasp? Ghost. Yes. Was that her? It reminded me very much of Ghost from Ant Man and the Wasp. But it's just like, okay, you're there, but like you can't exactly hold yourself together. Right. So you see that there's a little bit of history with that, and you see that there still is the resentment against the Flash about this, mm-hmm. and it ties into what is going on because. Obviously, past few episodes, we're dealing with the loss of his speed force. Yep. And you're dealing with the rise of the black hole organization that Ava is out of the mirror uh, dimension and running crazy now yep. throughout Central City. You see that Barry is now telling Joe about fake Iris and what is going on with that. And say so tensions on Team Flash are a uh, little high. A little bit at all time Temper, high. Tempers are a little short. And it does not help that drones of Godspeed are hitting Central City. Yeah. That you that from out the year, you've had Godspeed appear, but now you have another one that is, is shown up. Mm-hmm. And it is somebody that is obviously trying to get Barry's speed force. And especially at a moment where he has a finite amount of speed left and he's got to be using it very conservatively and, and very carefully. Not the best time to have a speedster show up. Right. And like we say, they did show throughout the year that there was – you know, multiple Godspeed show up. So now this is a new one that we've this seen. This is what, the fifth? Yes, the fifth one, which 
reasons, but we'll just roll with it. I'm not mad about seeing Godspeed because for the new 52 slash rebirth villains that we've seen, I don't mind Godspeed. Well, and especially on the surface, it might be at least when the fourth time Godspeed showed up, it was really confusing why he kept showing up, but we at least got an uh, illusion or something alluded to us of why there's so many. Right. So we do have that fact in, which does help a lot. But it goes back to Godspeed's ultimate goal of getting the speed of all these speedsters mm-hmm. and becoming the ultimate. And all of a sudden, his list is a lot shorter. Yes. Because now there's no, no, there's well, there's a multiverse, but it's not as big as it used to be. So the number of speedsters he would have had to go after uh, just got a lot shorter. It's winding down. Mm-hmm. So, But obviously, Barry is trying to fight him the first time, and it does not happen that Barry is... Pretty much helpless, mm-hmm. which he cannot handle. He gets his butt handed to him. He does get handled, you know, royally, and Godspeed gives him an ultimatum, which I was very surprised at. Yeah, I mean, for knowing the character Godspeed a little bit that I've read, he's not exactly somebody that's like your standard villain that will give you. I give you twenty four hours to turn yeah. your speed over. Yeah, where, where, monologue. Where, where. Yeah, yeah. Like I was you like, have twenty four hours to give me one million dollars, or I'm going to blow the city up. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. That always works for but, him. You know, they wind up coming up with the plan to go see the Pied Piper. Yep. And he is an expert, obviously, dealing vibrations and sound. So they say, okay, well, if you can deal with vibrations, maybe we can do something about the speed force. Mm-hmm. And then this is when the storyline is revealed about the crisis uh, yep. timeline about the henchmen. And it turns out that when they get a hold of Harley, they are really trying to win him over. And they the, the, the corner piece is... If we can somehow bring Roderick back, mm-hmm. he will help us defeat Godspeed. Seems easy, especially with all the brain power you got over there at Star Labs. Well, you would think with Nashwell, Cisco, yeah. and now Hartley. Nashwell's who's showing, I would say, more of a smarter side of his personality than and less of the Indiana Jones aspect. You yeah. notice that? Yeah, he was showing that. Like, I don't know if like, like I get, like I get. I think the general, and I don't think they've ever said this. And if if they did, I forget. But I think the general consensus with Nash Wells is like he's got all the previous versions of or other Earths of him of himself in one person. Mm-hmm. That's why he kept seeing all those you know memories or whatever it was. But it seems like you know for whatever reason right now the smarter aspect is coming out. I want to say this is almost reminding me of like when the Hulk has the multiple personalities. Oh, yeah, okay. Just on a, on a very smaller scale, yeah, obviously, less, less destructive. Less destructive, but this is almost like when he goes to like Joe Fixit level, mm. and just the, I mean, I know we're talking a lot of different elements involved here, but hear me out when I say this: with every incarnation of Harrison Wells now in one person that we're assuming, yeah. It almost seems like at certain points he's going to develop multiple personalities and one kicks in even though it's not revealed to be that other personality. Right, or it also could be the case of just whatever moment or whatever situation you're in, if there was a previous version of Nat, of Harrison Wells from the multiverse that was best suited to that occasion, that that one might come out. And Tom Cavanaugh is doing such an amazing job like so you balancing think about how, this. You think of how many characters he's played on this show alone. That all, It's all based oh. off of one person. It's insane. Yeah, and everyone is such a unique voice, but yet he does blend them in. Yeah, very easy. Yeah, so that you have to really focus on this to really see this. Oh, I was like, there were there were moments in the show that he very much reminded me not so much of Nash Wells, but of Earth Earth Two mm. Harrison Wells. Right, which I think that version definitely comes across a lot better because mm-hmm. the first one was so calculating and cold, but you know that was Ebar Thawne. Right. To see the Earth Two version come out, which is like a good mix mm-hmm. of the, you know the other incarnations we've seen. I think Kavanaugh is really just implementing that one in this character. Yeah, yeah. Except that, like, times, I know when he had the the 
what I want to say a bazooka, but he had that big firearm. Oh yeah, and he's like, oh, we get to we get to be violent, or we can like he says some kind of corny line. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily know if I buy that one, but either way. After the first run with Godspeed, they now have the plan, and they, they do sell Hartley on it. They do try one attempt, obviously using helium gas mm-hmm. and sound vibrations to do something to obviously st- stabilize Roderick's uh, molecular form. doesn't mm-hmm. work. Yep. But this is when Barry and him kind of have that talk because at this point, too, Godspeed is running around getting um, you know the other Godspeed's you know, speed force, yeah, and then taking hostages. So I think I think at this point he's attacked Flash twice. Yes, like he's doing like a weird stick and move. Like he's showing up, he's mm-hmm. like hitting him once and then running away. Like, yeah, which I, I guess would be my only like drawback from the episode. But I, like I wasn't mad about it. It was like, all right, well now I'm going to go get you. You have 18 hours left, and like speeds off. I mean, at the same time though, it makes sense in the fact that like, okay, if. Godspeed might not know about the lack of speed force right now that he he might just be going off the surface and stuff like, okay, I'm familiar with this guy. He's very fast. He's almost as fast, if not faster than me. I've got to be very careful with this. He may not know that, okay, he doesn't have the speed force right now. He's got a very finite amount left. Right. So obviously they want to kind of just stretch it out from the episode. And I, and I was, like I said, I wasn't mad about it. It'd just be the only kind of drawback it is just because mm. like, I don't remember the villain being this. I don't know. I don't want to say corny, but just cliche mm-hmm. that'll be the word i go with for today but this is also when barry and and hartley start having the talk and this is when barry figures out okay why is the connection so big with roderick and he realizes that hartley and roderick have a romantic relationship and yep he's like this relates how iris and i am and just you know finding hope when there isn't any and really just trying to sell the point of like we really need to stop godspeed mm-hmm. and barry is just willing to risk it all just to go save the city and hartley sees this and actually comes around, which mm-hmm. I was I was I was really kind of surprised to see how they did this because they didn't really tip it off, which I was happy with. But once he shows up and they have the big battle because Barry is trying to save the hostages and he's running out of speed, Hartley has to come save him. Yep. And then they come to the conclusion of okay, well if you run in the direction, I'll hit you with a sound blast, and this will be the so one. So they just way. recreate what happened to his uh, buddy. Yeah, with his boyfriend. And it works perfectly. So, I mean, they do wind up beating Godspeed very easily once they figure it out. Mm-hmm. But still, the, the special effects they had going for this I thought were very good. And obviously yeah. doing the different lightning uh, when Godspeed was getting ramped up to yeah. come back down. Yeah. And obviously when the sound blast hits. And then they find out when Godspeed is leaking out his charge sound, mm-hmm. which is how he's been implementing his speed force. Yep. They realize that this is how we can go stabilize Roderick. Mm-hmm. Once they get him back... They do stabilize Roderick. And Hartley says, you help me out, I will help you out. And he basically instills the motion to Barry that things will be okay and you will overcome this. So what was your take on that speech? I mean, it was nice. You know, it was definitely a moment where I think, you know, when he, when uh, what was the character's name? Uh, Roderick. Mm-hmm. You know, felt that, you know, he's at his lowest. There's nobody there for him. He's got nothing going for him. That You know, there was finally somebody there who stuck out for him and really, you know, showed him, hey, you got this. Like, things are going to be okay. So I think it's just him paying him back. Like, okay, he sees and, and understands on a certain level how Barry feels. And like, okay, your wife is gone. 
you you clearly don't have your powers at their absolute best. You are at your lowest point right now that you feel helpless, and I know, and he knows how that feels. Yeah, Hartley definitely demonstrates that too, and especially get Roderick back. There's new motivation to him because they have their finally moment mm-hmm. to reconnect, and it really balances out. And especially when Barry comes back from Iron Heights after he takes back Godspeed to jail, and sure enough, after interrogation, he finds out it's another drone mm-hmm. because I was wh- saying I got I really wish they would have like had a funny little moment with like the warden of Iron Heights being like. All right, this is the fifth one you've brought in with this. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, but once it turns out that it's another drone, and the only clue they have is it's somebody that is wanting infinite velocity. Gee, I wonder who that could be. Hmm, makes you wonder. Savitar. Ugh, let's hope not. I tell you what, if Savitar comes back next season, we might be boycotting the Flash. No, we know who it is. Yeah, we know. Some who dude is. named Eobard Fawn. Yeah, that's you have to think. Resume. I, I think that we may go dipping back down the well again. Either way. We still have the triumphant moment from Barry this episode of mobilizing the team and, and giving the rally speech because uh-huh. the other characters really didn't have a lot going on. They they wrote off Caitlin from the show for at least presumably that she's going to go see her mother to yep. go get stabilized and it's the moment where it's a nice little moment she has with Ralph Dibney. Oh yeah, where, where like the yeah. life coach has finally gotten through to Killer Frost. And I and I did like the little conversation they had with each other where you know. Killer Frost doesn't want to go see Caitlyn's mother because, oh, that's her mother. She's yeah. not going to care about me. She's only put up with me because I'm in Caitlyn's body. Right. And Ralph goes, what the hell are you talking about? You don't know that. Like, at the end of the day, you're her daughter, too. Yeah, the ultimate redemption of Ralph Dibney on this show is really sh- shining through. And I just absolutely love, like, the little back and forth they have going. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, to forget that Ralph was an outsider at one point yeah. on this show. And to see that how he comes back. I mean, Hartley Sawyer and Daniel P- Panabaker just play off each other very well. Yeah. Like, you see the genuine friendship between yeah. them. Yeah. Which I think just truly helps out their characters. And like I say, for Ralph, who can go from being absolutely corny as the elongated man. Because, I mean, let's face it. He's the elongated man. Yeah, he's he's the comedic humor. Yeah, he can definitely show that heart that the character needs to be for the team. Right. And be that inspiring moment because, like I say, when Barry is giving his speech to the rest of the team, they all rally around. And you see, you know, Hartley's ready to go. And yeah. And you just see Ralph is going and the rest of the team is going, all right, let's do this, let's do this. And then it, almost, it almost reminded me of uh, the speech from Miracle on Ice. Yeah, a little bit. Like, there's like, like one of those cliche, like you see it in sports movies a lot where there's like that, like cliche mode in the championship game or the final game of the season. And the, and the team, the, the movies about is really losing and really on the, you know, on the outs. And here comes the coach with the motivational speech to get him right back in it. Right. So it does help that team flash is finally on board after being like a disarray for so long. And then Cisco's like, I have a plan because he knows that of course he does. Yeah. Well, he, he's finally sitting there working on something because he knows Camilla is with Iris. If there's a mirror dimension. So his, if the love of his life is with Barry's love. And we also got confirmation. He does not have his powers, right? That has been officially confirmed that there is no vibe in the new earth prime. Mm-hmm. At least that we know of, it could be somebody else. We could haven't be. seen yet, but they do know that they have a plan. They do know that there is a mirror dimension and we do have a little interaction where Iris finally meets Camilla in the mirror dimension and we do hear about that there is a neurological issue going on with Iris. Like, mm-hmm. the longer you're in there, basically, you lose your mind. Yeah. And Ava has escaped this, and she winds up in a weird cocoon yep. at the end, which is I I don't really understand what's going on there unless she needs, like, something to stabilize her. Only thing I can think of is whenever, when she got sent, because I don't think we know the full story of how she got put in the mirror dimension. 
you know, I just get the feeling that, okay, it was like her consciousness or something like that. Something was wrong with her that she ended up in the mirror dimension and her body was kind of put kind of like Nora freeze, mm-hmm. you know, Nora freeze had her medical condition and got put in the ice, you know, tube or whatever it was from Victor freeze. And you got, you know, like that whole thing. I imagine it's kind of maybe something similar. That whole end scene was a little corny though, just cause like she wakes up, the pot opens and she just, you know, deadpan now, no emotion just looks like, ah, I'm coming for my revenge. And I was like, that's a little corny. Yeah, like I know there's a little hokey elements that go on with the Flash, and and I get that. It, it's just it's that universe. But that one was just like just really? like I, the way she said the line was to me was a little corny. I feel like going finally or, or something like just one word, something just real simple, just like or even just like ah, you know, something like that would have been a little bit better. It definitely would have been a little stronger. But overall, it was a great episode. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I know we're going into the season finale that is yep. forced upon us because of C nineteen. Yep. Any guesses how we're going to wrap this up? I have no idea. Uh, I get the feeling that it'll end with them finally getting because I feel like getting Iris back. They're going to dr- and drag out to like the very like last ten minutes of the episode. They'll get her back, and then something will happen where she gets taken away again. Not into the mirror dimension, but like someplace else. I, my early guess is she loses her, her memories. Oh, that's left with Barry finally gets her, and her mind is gone. Oh, that could be. Which would be downright awful but oh. hey it's the season finale so like and barry hasn't been through enough already right because we have to give grant gustin more dramatic issues to yeah. work out on the show and, yeah. and have him you know super act up yeah which i like for the makeshift season finale they said this could have been but they had something else lined up be interesting if they ever decide to go revisit that avenue, yeah but we yeah. we won't know we just know we have one more flash for this season coming mm-hmm. and going into it you know feeling pretty good about it like oh, yeah. i think they've done a little good redemption story going on yeah for the rest of the CW, though. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about the one that aired right after that, that being Legends of Tomorrow. No real crazy, wacky time travel with this one, but it wasn't left without its hijinks. Of course, we do have the three rings that form the Loom of Fate, and now the, the Legends are trying to use the Loom of Fate to fix everybody's problems, but yeah, it doesn't exactly quite go to plan. Of course, they use Charlie and her connections with the Loom to try and fix everything. Uh, they want to bring back uh, Zari's brother, Barad. Uh, they want to restore Astra's mother. Uh, and eventually we'll find out what they want to do with Sarah because Sarah factors into this uh, because she's got a lot of issues going on. So they so they got everybody to almost everybody together to try and use the loom of fate and Charlie's doing it, but she, you know she can't pull the string because it's this really cool special effect in the episode where it's almost like you know a scroll from ancient Egypt or something like that, and it's golden. And everybody's got sunglasses on, and she's trying to pull on the string and do what she needs to, but it literally explodes in her face. Hmm. And from there, uh, the resulting explosion puts the Wave Rider on backup emergency power, which means they can't time travel. There's no escape pod. There's no you know food replicator. There's no medical services. Basically, uh, Gideon's on like backup power. Hey, I can talk to you, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, while all of this is going on, uh, Mick is back on Earth, and he's picked up his daughter for because he's got her for the weekend, and it's really funny. Uh, he you know, wants to have a daddy daughter weekend. And he goes, Oh, why don't, why don't we go to roller derby? You know, hits and tits. I, I think was his exact word. And she's like, uh, no, sorry. I can't hang out with you this weekend. I've got a, a history, uh, exam to study for. And he goes, Oh, well, I, all right. And he hits a, a, basically like your fob on your, on your, for your car. And he, uh, reveals the, one of the wave rider escape pod type looking things, whatever they call, they're called. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what is that? He goes, time machine. That's what I travel on. 
And she goes, uh, it turns out I got some time. We can hang out. And Mick brings his daughter back to the Wave Rider, which has got all the issues going on. So not the best time to bring your daughter around. No, Dominic Purcell is completely, you know, balancing the crime aspect of Heat Wave mm-hmm. with the dad aspect perfectly. Yep. So the team's in space adrift. You know, nothing can work. You know, there's no, the food replicator's broken. So at one point when Mick is trying to, you know, help her, help his daughter with her exam, things don't go well. And, and he, she goes, well, is there anybody on the ship who knows history? Cause she's like, cause Mick tries to do the fatherly thing and help her study for her history exam. And her exam, she has to answer the question or write about the differences between the Declaration of Independence, and I forget the name of it, but it's what the French people wrote for the French Revolution. Mm. And he, and Mick is basically like, uh, I have no idea. She, <laughs> she goes, well, is there anybody on the ship who, who knows anything about history? Nathan. Yep. You know, Professor Nathan. You know, So he interacts with her, and he goes, oh, why, you know, why don't we get a snack for while we're doing some studying? Hey, Mick, why don't you go get us some, some food? So he goes, all right. He goes, yeah. And Nathan goes, oh, Nate goes, oh, yeah. The, you know, the ship here makes some great food, really great food. That's when they discover the replicator's broken. And Mick then tries to make, I forget what it was called, but it's uh, celery and uh, chunky peanut butter. Okay. Make, tries to make that. So you got all that going on. Uh, to make matters worse, the rings themselves have gone missing. So they all, obviously, everyone on the ship trusts each other, except for the fact that Astra's on the ship and, well, you're from hell and you're the whole reason we're in this mess. So we don't trust you. So they decide to lock up Astra, uh, you know, so, and she's like, why I wouldn't do this. Da, 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 da. All the meanwhile, Gary is on the ship with an emotional support dog. Uh, the only way I can describe him is if you're young enough and you remember the show wishbone on PBS, he looks very much like that dog. If you're not familiar, Google it and look up the image. looks exactly like that dog. Uh, so he's got, and he's got a letter. And so they like, you know, you can't have a dog on the ship, but Hey, he's got a letter from his doctor saying he can have it. You know, typical so, legends, uh, typical course, legends, of course. So the ship is sabotaged. Rings go missing. It's pouring rain at this point for the, for the legends. Uh, and finally, good news. Sarah, who's been in a coma the last couple of weeks, wakes up. She, oh, finally, Sarah's woken up Mom, we can get the ship fixed and we can get back on our way. Uh, one small issue. She's blind. Oh, jeez. Which is never good, but she, you know, she ties a, a blindfold around her eyes, and Ava's really like, yeah, you really shouldn't do this. You really can't see. And Sarah's like, listen, I trained for a long time uh, with the League of Assassins. League of Assassins while blindfolded. If there's anyone who can walk while blindfolded, it's me. Yeah, Sarah Lance can just do this in her sleep. And I just remember watching this and just going, mm-hmm. yeah, this, oh, jeez. Like, yeah. This is just going to be like a walk in the park for her. Oh, yeah. Well, so things, matters get worse when she starts touching some people and, you know, grabbing them on the shoulder or you know, touching their chest. And she starts seeing visions. And it's quick glimpses where, but they're all dead. So she sees Constantine dead on the floor. She sees Ava you know crying over her own body she sees basically everyone not almost everyone dead on the ship and she doesn't really say anything to ava about it and she gets kind of cagey about it but charlie charlie's knows something's going on because she's like listen you saw a god in their true form you're not okay and it's not the fact that you're just blind well what's going on so she brings up the visions and, you know, she goes, all right, no, they're probably not just nightmares. They're probably not just, you know, daydreams. They're probably actually true. And so Ava goes, well, what have you been seeing in them? And she describes them. And Ava goes, well, are we talking like this might happen? Or are, you ta- are we talking like you see me in the clothes I'm wearing right now? Sarah reaches out to Ava, feels her clothes and feels the shirt she got on. And she goes, it's the latter. 
Mm. So so now all of a sudden we're dealing with a ship with no power. Right. The the rings are missing and everyone's going to end up dead in the very near future. And they're trying to figure out why and what's going on. Mm, typical legends. Like like I said, this episode was pretty standard on point, but that's yeah. never a bad thing with legends. So all the meanwhile, you've got Zari, Charlie, and Nate are all trying to figure out where the rings have gone because little important to fix things and get things going to have the rings. Uh, they try digging into the security camera footage because, hey, futuristic time traveling ship, it's got security cameras. Uh, yeah, Gideon's depowered, so you can't access them, but they figure out a workaround and get into the backup recordings of the files. And they then discover that Zari, Charlie, and Nate were all responsible for the various uh, sabotages on the ship. One of them, I th- believe it was Nate, destroyed the uh, food replicator. Another one sabotages the ship. And, and uh, I want to say it was Charlie threw the rings down like a garbage disposal, right. garbage shooter, something like that. And they're like, they're all accusing each other. They're like, how could you do this? And they're all like, I don't remember doing this. How is this going on? Uh, and so then we find out Charlie is right. Sarah's seeing the future and uh, she uses all of her new powers to basically figure out the cause of this chaos is Gary's new dog hmm. because Gary didn't get his dog from, you know, your average pet store or rescue shelter. No, or, no, of course not. Uh, he got him out of hell when they were there last week because, oh, he looks so cute. I want to bring him with me. Gary is going to be whining the reason why this team winds up like yeah. getting disbanded. Yeah, so eventually the team figures out that, like, oh, hey, you know, I've been hearing stuff from in my head, people, like a voice talking in my head, and it kept saying something about Son of Sam. And Nate, being the history, realizes Son of Sam when they was the guy who murdered a lot of people in New York in the 70s, and when they eventually caught him and arrested him, he said he did it all because a dog told him to. Holy shit, this is Son of Sam's dog from hell. <laughs> it is crazy to see how detailed Legends is about the writing about this. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a very obscure fact unless you really know about that case. Yeah. And they completely went deep diving with it and ran with it in a direction I was not expecting. Yeah, so they figure out the dog's doing it. They go back to all the security camera footage of them sabotaging the ship, and they zoom the picture out a little bit, and, and there's, there's the, the dog, dog barking the entire time. So they put two and two together. Uh, the dog walks into the room and starts barking, and Charlie and Zari all go, all right, don't listen to the dog. Don't listen to the dog. And Nate goes, right, don't listen to the dog. But he's making a very good case for me killing you right now. And all of a sudden, he turns on him, grabs a chair, goes to swing it at him, misses. Gary, for like his one shining moment, comes in with the save and blows like a dog whistle and stops the dog from doing anything. Uh, so then they Astra, they all figure out, all right, Astra's not the reason we've been doing this. We can let her out. But Astra turns on him. Of course. Uh, and gets almost the entire team locked up in the thing. You've got a really cool fight sequence where Constantine and Sarah are teaming up because they're using Sarah's powers to figure out where the dog is. Uh, and Constantine using figuring out the dog's actual like hellhound name. Because at this point, it's not the cute, lovable dog. It's it's a literal hellhound with like horns and fire and spraying fire everywhere. What I was hoping they did is they did like a supernatural tie-in mm. from the hellhounds. But, right. I, but I know we're, it's it's reaching. We already had our one crossover yeah, thus far. Can't have too many. Uh, uh, Asher then, can we? <laughs> I wish. Asher helps out Constantine with some intel on their hellhound. And Constantine manages to send it back to the lake of fire just in time. So all the meanwhile, this, all, all while this is going on, Mick is reconnecting with his daughter and finally shows his daughter his fortune in her room, or in his room, I should say. And she goes, oh, my God, you're rich. Why isn't this in a bank? I don't trust banks. Okay, how much money is here? One million, one billion dollars? She goes, okay, 
in 10 years, what's that money going to be worth? Billion dollars. She goes, yeah, but if you put it in a bank, wait a minute, why don't we go back in time, invest it all in the New York Stock Exchange, and then we'll be rich. Uh, never mind the fact that like the New York Stock Exchange crashed several times throughout history. You know, so you wouldn't have anything. You'd lose everything. But this kind of throws Mick for a loop because, you know, she's talking about all this and making herself rich and doing this and doing that. He's like, I'm seeing a bit of myself in her and I'm not okay with this. Mm. So he stops that, you know, and they have a, they have a nice heart to heart moment where he, he sits down with two beers and she's like, that's not for me, is it? He goes, no, I'm your father. I'm a little more responsible than that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just goes back to just how Mick is balancing this new father mm-hmm. life. And I'm like, every time we're just watching, like I could see this happening with him and just how he's just implementing that he's warming up, no pun intended, mm-hmm. to a newfound family. Yeah. It's just, it's a really interesting take they're doing with the and character. It's, and it's really funny. Every time his daughter meets one of the heroes on the show, like when Nate comes to introduce her, he goes, oh, and he shows off, he can turn into steel. And she goes, oh, my God, that's such a cool superpower. Wait, what's your superpower? And he goes, I got this. She goes, it's a gun. What can it do? He goes, oh, it can shoot fire. Yeah, guns are really dangerous. He goes, do you really think that? She goes, yeah, I marched in protest against it. I don't like guns. <laughs> I was just like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. You know, so they have, they have a nice, you know, they instead of because uh, she almost wants to go back, but then they have a nice moment at the end of the episode. And they decide to spend the weekend together. So that's very nice. Uh, you finally the hellhound is dispatched. Gary's really apologetic. And they, you know, the ship is back on and everything's back together and something reeks. Gary comes in. He did the nice thing and dug into the garbage disposal or wherever the heck it is in the bowels of the ship and found the missing ring. So he reeks to high heaven, but they've got the rings again. The loom is safe. They just have to get back together before Charlie takes another crack at it. Uh, they also get, you know, so of course Gideon's back online and they go, all right, they take uh, Sarah to the medical bay and they go, all right, Sarah, figure out what's going on with her eyes. Gideon scans her eyes and goes, nothing wrong. Hmm. So all of a sudden you've got Sarah, uh, episodes end blind, but hey, she can see the future. So there's that. Yeah, it's really interesting that they're giving her powers. Yeah, for unknown reasons right now. Yeah, but we'll, I'm sure it'll, it'll play out by the season goes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have got at least three more episodes. We got something. I don't know how far they got to go ahead, just because we know they're very early in their show. But with C19 and everything going on, don't really know the future of, or how far the episodes are going to go. Right. So three, I think, are, are listed as of right now. Okay. Because I know that the following week we did get the little tease that they're going to be going to college. And, yeah. And doing, we're eventually going to get like an animal. We're getting an Animal House episode. I'm all for it. Animal House is my oh, favorite movie God. of all time. Oh, so, God. Oh, you know, God. Sign me up. So, I mean, overall, I thought the episode was really good. I yeah. mean, it's, it's typical Legends, but yeah. that's not a bad thing. No. It's definitely not. So as long as it progresses the story, which I know they're giving Sarah powers, so mm-hmm. that I think is the big takeaway from this episode. Yeah. Yep. How long this lasts is anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. But overall, Pat, what do you think? I thought it was a very good episode. It almost felt a little hitting close to home for everybody here right now. Like, oh, they're stuck in the ship and they can't go anywhere. We're all stuck at home and can't get anywhere. It was almost like a unintentional play on current situation. But overall, it was a very good episode. It definitely was. So ODP Society, let us know what you think. What did, what's your takes for The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow this week? We definitely want to have that conversation on social media, so hit us up, hashtag ODPH. When we come back, we're going to kick off one-shots with the recaps of Batwoman and Supergirl, so keep it locked in. You are listening to the ODPH podcast. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul.
Hey, I'm Lucas, the host of Wonder Soul, a weekly podcast series featuring a variety of topics dealing with life's many passions and experiences. Join me and friends each week as I discuss topics ranging from pop culture to real life conversations that all can find relatable. New episodes bring new guests and new topics and release every Friday. More content can be found on Wondersoul's YouTube and Twitch channels. Stay up to date and connect with Wondersoul through social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope that you enjoy Wondersoul wherever you listen to podcasts. So do good and take care. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. So I'm going to kick off one shots because I want to talk about the two other CW shows. I actually got a chance to sit down and catch them uh, talking Batwoman and I'm talking Supergirl. Okay. So we are talking spoilers if you haven't seen them. So in three, two, one, I will tell you what I thought of them. Let's kick off with Batwoman. Now, Ruby Rose has been doing an exceptional job being Kate Kane. I I don't really have an issue with the show. I know it's it's reminds me of Arrow season one. Sure. So there's a lot of bumps in the road, and obviously when you're trying to do a Bat show without Batman and really trying to carve Batwoman's legacy, right? You gotta go borrow a little bit, but carve sure. your own your own path. I thought this episode really demonstrated a lot of good and a lot of bad. And, well, we're just kind of starting off is they've been chasing after Lucius Fox Journal Mm -hmm. since he has been killed off in the show. And it's been long rumored that Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush, is responsible for it. So all of Gotham is now looking for this journal. So Batwoman finally has an idea where it is, comes up with a plan because they track down that one of Tommy's associates, uh, another gangster in town, has it in in his club. So Kate winds up teaming up with Julia Pennyworth. Yes, that Julia Pennyworth. Mm -hmm. So they've introduced her on the show. And they decide to go into the club and go figure out, okay, where are we going to find this journal? And And they also have Lucius Fox's son, Luke, guiding them through. Like He plays the Cisco role on the show. Right. Which, I like I say, knowing the character a little bit, I don't really see it, but I understand what they're trying to do. I mean, Cameron Johnson, who plays Luke Fox, does a very good job with it, and he's he's teeters on the line of like you know he's going to eventually break out into the hero of Batwing, right? Because that's who he is in the DCU, right? I was saying the name rung a bell, right? So you're not you're seeing that he's slowly taking steps there, but he hasn't really took the jump yet. So obviously they're trying to make moves for this, and then we see back in Arkham that Tommy Elliot, who's played by Gabriel Mann, mm-hmm. uh is now in coming to jail and winds up meeting Rachel Starkinson, a.k.a. Alice, who is their Joker right. on the show. And and how they're doing her on the show, I think that she's gotten better as the season has gone on from the bits I've seen of her. Mm-hmm. But still, there's a lot going on with that character that I think they could be doing a little stronger with, but it's still in the growing phases. So, right. so you got to remember to factor that in when they're going into this. Because during this time where Kate and Julia are going into the club and looking for the journal, Alice decides to sneak into Gotham herself. Oh, boy. And do a takeover inside and meet up with Tommy Elliott and basically give the exchange. You tell me where to find the journal. I will make sure you have a brand new face and you can't go on trial. We'll make you disappear, which 
he's all ears for. Albeit, though, when Man is acting as Tommy Elliot, he's hamming it up. It just reminded me a little bit of, like, the Riddler. Okay. Just, like, a little over the top, a little... When I'm re- when Basically, when I've read Hush... I don't get the vibe of just like the campiness sure. of the character. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I just I don't get that over the top like super villain esque voice that he was kind of acting in. So I, I will say that was like a slight drawback for me. Like I was not fully in, engrossed in that. Okay, but once they get going with his character and when he's trying to get the okay, he's he's agreed to the deal. He he gets in touch with Sabatino, Sabat- which is the the associate. Mm-hmm. Sabatino decides to pull the double cross, which everybody sees coming except Tommy, which, I, like I say, it goes to show that he's not the polished villain that he is when he appears in the comics. Mm. So this is, I don't want to say this is year one, but kind of, sort of. Sure. So during this time, Alice goes, okay, I have a plan. We're still going to give you a new face, but I'm going to take matters in my own hand because at the same time, Kate and Julia are in the club and they wind up actually getting captured because... The journal is left wide open right on the desk. Right. Batwoman picks it up, and then sure enough, an alarm goes off. She gets, like, it's booby trap. She gets slammed into a wall, knocked out. Of course he did. Yes, because it's comics and TV, it's reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, very easy to do, but either way, she winds up getting captured, and Luke has to go rely on Mary, who is kind of like a side character in her own right to the mm-hmm. show, to go save her because at this point, like, Kate is really trying to keep her away from the bat family business mm. because Kate or Mary is Kate's stepsister on the show. Okay. So, but she's like trying to prove her worth and she breaks into the club because at this point too, Julia is getting the absolute snot kicked out of her. Right. Where they're trying to find information on her and the alibi that she's giving that she's working for a secret agency. They find out she's been making it up the entire time. So there's mm. something else going on there. But by the time Mary goes in to, you know, pull off the save, she comes up and there's a whole room full of gangsters bidding on Batwoman's grappling hook, uh. costume, and person. And it's basically to the highest bidder goes everything. Uh. So it's kind of this weird, you know, like auction going on. But it made sense for the storyline. Sure. And then Mary sets off the distraction because there's kind of like a smoke bomb that goes off with her briefcase. Because she comes in there with money and $2.5 million. She winds up getting Batwoman. Yeah. And then it goes, well, the Sabatino is like, well, you'll get what's left of her. Okay. So once it goes off, she winds up freeing Batwoman to go make the save. And the one thing about this episode I will say is I don't mind the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. I think it's done very well on the show. Oh, yeah. The only issue I had with this is earlier in the show they had where Batwoman winds up saving um, some human trafficking going on. Sure. And it's at night. It's dark. And the camera work, it's it doesn't really like flesh out where she is in the night because mm-hmm. she's wearing all black. And then you're at night. It's very hard to see. And it's kind of like very shaky with the camera. Right, work. right, right. Was not a big fan of that. Was a fan of the fighting. I thought it was okay. It was very choreographed very well. And much of the same was kind of the same thing when she was in the club and pulling off her big escape at the end. Right. And one drawback, and I know it's special effects and I'm, I'm probably being a little too critical of it, but it is what it is, is, one of the mobsters fires the grappling gun right at her face. Mm. And Batwoman does like a limbo to duck out of it. But as you see the CGI of the grappling hook, yeah, it was fake enough that you could tell right. that it was that 
it was like last second she got out of the way, but it wasn't like believable enough to be a special effect. Does that right. make sense? No, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like I, I was like, okay, well, I get it, but I know I'm nitpicking, so I'm just going to let it go. Because at this point, Batwoman winds up free in the day. She gets the journal after she kind of has like a st- – well, Magpie actually steals it. Who's That's who Alice hired to go get it. She breaks in. She winds up getting the journal. So there's like a standoff on the roof. Mm. And basically Batwoman's like, well, you know how this is going to end. And Magpie goes, yeah, I do. And she throws the journal off the side of the building. Right. So Batwoman has to go, okay, do I fight Magpie or let the journal go? Because the journal has all the secrets uh. about Bruce Wayne in it of being Batman. Oh, and it's, the, it's the Lucius Fox Bible of the Batverse, right. which is absolutely bananas. Because it's always a good thing to write down your, your friend's secrets. Exactly. Because it was like real puzzling. Like, okay, he has everything in there of Batman. Like for I, I'm sure as a backup in case... As we've seen in the comics, I know Snyder Capullo did this when Batman lost his memory, uh, that there was like a backup thing to instill the memories back in him. Right. Because comics. So to see it in a lesser term brought on the screen, I could understand it a little bit because Batwoman goes and makes the save because obviously it's the hottest item in Gotham. And at the same point, Julia winds up pulling the escape off. Uh-huh. But there's a little more backstory going on with her that maybe not everything's on the up and up. During this time, Kate reverts back out of Batwoman because you know she does flip in the costume when she's breaking in after she sneaks into the club and she does run into Regan who's a bartender there who is actually Magpie's sister right and there's like some romantic history there they wind up hooking up the next morning Kate goes to look for the journal the journal is gone lo and behold Regan has it turns it over and eventually gives it to Alice Mm -hmm. which defeats the whole purpose that everybody's still in danger the secrets of Bruce Wayne and Wayne Tech and Lucius Fox's legacy are all out in the open. And they wind up opening, Alice opens up the journal and just goes, you got to be kidding me. It's written in code. (laughs) Of course it is. So now everything they've been fighting for is up in smoke. They have to find somebody to translate the code Mm -hmm. who knows how this is going to go down. And meanwhile, at the same point that you have Tommy Elliott with his face all carved up, losing his mind, so to speak, the end shot, though, of the episode is you do see him in the fur coat or, you know, his one coat signature and face all taped up. So he is now officially Hush. Mm. So we are going to get Hush next episode. I know it's titled The Secret Kept from the Rest. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see where it goes. So for Batwoman, because like I said, I haven't been following as much as I should be. I actually thought this was a very good episode. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Yeah, I wasn't like blown away, but I was like, okay, certain things I like, certain things I didn't. And like how Ruby Rose has been playing Batwoman, I don't mind. I know there's been like a lot, you know, very hit or miss online. Sure. I thought she did okay with it because I know there's certain elements that you expect, but I, one thing that people need to remember is she's not Bruce Wayne. Right. So Kate Kane is her own person and showing different sides of her personality in it, I thought it was okay. And like I say, I really. And, am interested where she's going next week. Yeah. But I will say this, though. I think the strongest episode of the CW Bat or Arrow universe, almost a Batverse, had to be Supergirl. Okay. By far and away. I know Dre, our loyal listener out there, shout out to Dre, even posted this online, and I fully agree with it. Supergirl has been on point since coming back from Crisis. They've been very strong with their episodes. Episode 100 was on point. This one was no less. This had to be arguably one of my all-time favorite Supergirl episodes. Melissa Benoist directed the episode herself, actually. So, And what it entails, 
This is the world through the eyes of Lex Luthor. Oh, boy. So John Cryer basically rewalks you through everything pre- and post-crisis that has gone on involving him throughout the Supergirl universe. Okay. So we go back to when he's going after Leviathan. You see how he winds up working uh, Miss Tessmacher mm-hmm. into taking his side up and really flipping, like using the whole thing of, well, Leviathan has been, you know, following your parents. I have your your house, you know, I have guards at your house right now. They're watching your every move to make sure you you are safe and you're going to be okay. And you know, all you got to do, and all you got to do is just come work for me. We'll take them down. We'll avenge, you know, everything that's been going wrong. And he really sells it, and he winds up manipulating everybody that's been a side character on the show, from Richard Bates, who's been a hacker involved in the VR world of Leviathan, to pulling the strings to kill Jeremiah Danvers mm. and having uh, Miss Tessmacher do it, which was brilliant how he set it up because he goes, I found out who killed your father. It's this man. He showed the formula. He goes, I'm giving you the most potent poison in the world. You can take him out. It would be untraceable. You'll get away with it. And just really is working. Like the back and forth they had going, too, with uh, Miss Tessmacher, I thought was really good. And- Andrea Brooks, who plays mm. Eva Tessmacher, Back and forth with John Cryer was you could just see the like where their relationship was like she was falling in love with him and, right. and you could see just how Cryer is just eating that scenery and just working and just manipulating from left to right to getting her to do the bidding and she is working every single angle to take down Leviathan after being originally working for him. Mm. It's like I thought it was just so brilliant of how they just demonstrated just the deceptiveness of Lex. And Cryer, like I said, is just absolutely crushing this role. And then he flips his attention to Kara and his sister, Lena Luthor. And basically, you know how they've been kind of on again, off again this entire season. There's been the tension of the friendship. And Lena is now trying to show sympathy for Kara for you know losing her father. And Lex winds up flipping that on her mm-hmm. and saying, well, you know, she's using Myriad. So and this just causes a more bigger wedge in their relationship which I thought was just very smart because it's just ultimately going back to his hatred for Superman mm-hmm. and everything involved is the ultimate end game. Like he has Leviathan on the ropes and yet he still can't let go of his obsession. It's just kind of a weird take on this. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you see him going back and forth with his mother too. And it's just the one upmanship that you don't think I can do this. I'm going to do this. Not saying this is like Michael Jordan in the last dance. Sure. But it's kind of hearing that level. Because as they show, when Lena is going to check out the Fortress of Solitude, which I still, I must have missed an episode because I'm like, how does she even know about this? Mm. They wind up inadvertently releasing a Sun Eater. Oh, boy. And you kind of see how they need to go fix this with everything going on with Leviathan. You see uh, just the outsider opinion looking in Mm. of how Supergirl, Martian Manhunter, and and Magan is back. Decide, oh, okay. Decide to go into space and and take care of, it, and they wind up shrinking the shrink uh, the sun eater down. And during this entire time, it was almost like a distraction. That when Lena was there, there was somebody else there too that follows that followed her and wound up releasing it. So during this entire time, there's a distraction going on, and the victims of the VR world, the ones that are like the catatonic stage, we talked about this previously. Yeah, Lex is moving them around. Because he knows people are chasing after him. Like he he has uh, Miss Tessmacher, you know, keeping an eye on Team Danvers, 
and winds up moving him. So he winds up becoming the hero mm. that he be, so like I hear I've, I've freed everybody. I've shown them. And just the manipulation going on of how he's taken out one of Leviathan and meets with the head of him and basically says, yeah, you might be mad at me, but I'm focusing you to take it out on Supergirl because she's going to wind up defeating you all. Like you don't, you're not going to win this one. And basically pushing the longstanding century of Leviathan and their legacy up against Supergirl. So he's basically just playing chess while everybody's playing checkers, as you like to say. Mm. And it's such a weird scene to see from the outside looking at just how deceptive he is and how he's playing everybody against each other. Meanwhile, he's just rising through the ranks and becoming the national hero he's always wanted to be. I mean, it's an absolute crazy thing to see firsthand. And then it follows up that he basically tells his mother, you said I couldn't do this. I did it my way. Mm. And then we hear a version of my way from Frank Sinatra playing in the background. And he sits there and he's paused and he goes, eh, what the hell? He opens up a portal. He winds up at the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, that's always a good thing. Which, to my recollection, is the first time he's been there. He found his way there. That's how the season ends, or the show ends. I think they got a couple more season, or episodes left before the season wraps up. But, Pad, this had to be one of the best episodes I've seen of them. Yeah, no, it sounds real good. Yeah, because especially for someone who hasn't been following as much of Supergirl lately. Like, I've been trying to watch as much as I can. But, and the show has been actually just stepping up little by little mm. since since it's been back from Crisis. Like, I think they've been one of the stronger ones. Yeah. But they've also been imploring different characters in. Like, you see the tra- the transformation in Brainiac 5. They brought Wynn back, and they really went some places there with him. When they really start dabbling into the core characters, which is Supergirl and Lex, and just that dynamic, it really shines. And John Cryer just really stepped it up for this episode and just showed you from point A to point B his plan. And nobody can stop him. The sign of a true supervillain. So good. I recommend you watch this. I recommend if you're going to watch any show this past week from the CW, this is the one you watch. Because they did a knockout job of this. And we'll have to see what they got kind of lined up for next week. Because I know, like we said, Flash is on season finale. Yep. Supergirl might be. I'm not 100% sure of that. I still think there's a couple more episodes of Batwoman. And then Legend still has a couple more to go since they were the mid-season break. Mm. All these into two weeks, we get Stargirl. Yeah. Which I have to say, Pad, did you see the newest trailer? Nope. They introduced the villain squad. Oh, okay. It is confirmed Solomon Grundy. Well, we already knew that. I know, but just to see the name pop up on the screen, I was like, yep, their first day. Mm-hmm. Sold. Cannot wait for that to happen. Yeah. But you'll have to let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What did you think of this past week's CW episodes? But wait, folks, we are not done because we still have more one-shots to go. Yeah, so i uh, got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first, a recommendation. There's a docu-series that uh, first season just came out on Disney+. Plus Relatively recently, I think. I'm not entirely sure when it dropped. But I had it recommended to me by a friend, and I watched the first episode of it. And I'm going to recommend it to you, the ODPH Society. Uh, that is Disney prop culture and again it's on disney plus basically what it is is it's hosted by a gentleman named dan lanigan who is a big movie fan much like all of us here listening to the show uh except he's gone so far as to collect props and costumes from some of his favorite movies if you dig up the trailer on youtube you see some of the props he's got at his own collection i think at one point you see the v for vendetta mask hat and and jacket he's got something from i want to say probably the ron perlman hellboy he's got 
a lot of really cool stuff from the quick glimpse you get of it, but he's now digging into some of his favorite Disney movies. Uh, I won't spoil anything for you because I highly recommend you go watch the series. Uh, the first episode deals with Mary Poppins. And he goes looking and, and finding a bunch of props and costumes from the Mary Poppins uh, film. Of course, from the 1960s, starring, starring Julie Andrews. Great film. Uh, if you are love the movie, if you grew up watching the movie, I highly, 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 highly recommend you go watch the, the episode. Just because considering when the movie was made and came out in 1963, to see some of the props they bring out and some of the props they show, to see them in the condition they are in. And I don't mean that in a negative way. There, there are some that are in pristine condition 50 years later. It's a very, it's very cool to see. Uh, the first episode is about Mary Poppins. Second one is about Tron from the 80s. Uh, third one is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Fourth one is about the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, fifth one is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Sixth episode is The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The seventh episode is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And then the eighth episode is the Muppet movie. So like I said, it's a prop culture that is on Disney Plus. And it, even if you're not big into like movie productions, and that, just to see some of this stuff, especially for Mary Poppins alone, that like it was made so long ago. Yeah. So long ago. And just some of the stuff and some of the places they go that like you didn't think they'd get access into there. And it's like, no, you're go- they're going there. And some of the people that show up, and again, I don't want to spoil anything just because I want, you know, you, if the viewer to go into it with the genuine shock that I had of, oh my God, it's this person. It's, it's something I highly recommend you check out on Disney plus. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds dope. Like I, when you were talking about it, I'm just going to have all this stuff from Mary Poppins from mm-hmm. like years ago. Yeah. Like, we're not talking Michael Rucker yelling it out yeah. from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like no, we're yeah. talking the real deal. Yeah. For any film historian, that is such a dope thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not like a big movie buff, yeah, it's still worth giving a glance to because just to see that history and just yeah. the stories behind it. Oh yeah, I'm more excited about the Tron personally because oh, I yeah. think Tron from the '80s is oh, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, moving on, I got a couple of Star Wars interesting things. Of course, May the Fourth and Revenge of the Fifth took place. Uh, my two favorite days of the year. Yeah, past holiday. Uh, uh, it got announced back on May the Fourth that Academy Award winner Taika Waititi is going to direct and co-write a new Star Wars. Feature film for theatrical release. Now we don't mm. we don't know what it is. We don't know what it's about. But all we know is there's going to be a lot of humor involved. I'm guessing, and this is just me guessing, maybe something with bounty hunters. Who knows? Seems like something that'd be right up his alley. Oh, give me Boba Fett. Yeah, maybe like a heist type scenario with a bunch of bounty hunters going around. That'd be fun. You can have a lot of one-liner and quips about that. Uh, also, some Star Wars news. We got a. Another confirmation of a director that's going to be directing a episode or a couple episodes uh, for season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, that was thanks to a tweet he sent out on his own Twitter account, and that is Robert Rodriguez. Uh, he sent out a tweet of him with Baby Yoda. And, Love that. Yeah, he said, quote, I am truly humbled to say I now have the very rare privilege of directing the biggest star in the universe. So if you're not familiar with the gentleman who is Robert Rodriguez, he's directed such movies as Machete. Uh, Machete Kills, Sin City back in 2005, and also if you're uh, of my age and my generation, directed all of the Spy Kids movies, which got a little weird and quirky and weird at the end, but first two, fantastic films. Amazing director. So on board about this. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Production's still going on with that. Might be done. Not entirely sure. Look out for it later this year. Uh, Moving on, we've got some video game news. The worst kept secret in video game uh, history right now because, hey, 
They can't announce anything without it getting leaked beforehand. Check the history. Uh, the next Assassin's Creed video game got announced uh, this past week f- from the folks at Ubisoft, and it is titled Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, mm-hmm. It is set in 873 AD, and the, the game recounts an alternate alternative history to the Viking invasion of Britain. Uh, now, if you watch the Netflix series The Last Kingdom, like I recommended, you might be a little familiar with that Viking right. invasion of Britain. So this is going to tie in a little bit, you know, to an alternate history of the Viking invasion of Britain. Because hey, yes, the Vikings did invade Britain way back when in 873 AD and various many other times. But you know, the Brotherhood of Assassins and Templars probably weren't involved in that. Like they're going to be with this game. Yeah, it looks insane. It looks good. There's apparently going to be a lot of customization with this. I might have to give it a check. Uh, I played Assassin's Creed Origins because uh, I got it for my birthday a couple of years ago. Didn't play Odyssey just because it looked like a, you know, uh, basically copy and paste of the previous one. So I was like, eh, I want something new. I don't want to just basically rehash of the old game. So that is com- going to be coming out sometime at the end of the year to uh, Windows, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Google Stadia, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. You think that franchise has ran its course yet or no? Um... You would think, but somehow they just continue to find interesting times period and period to go to. I would say the, their peak was had to be Assassin's Creed Three. Okay, when they were dealing with the American Revolution, and, and there's one mission where you actually uh, join Paul Revere and help with you know alerting that the British are coming. Right. So just you know, I th- for me, I think that was their peak. They've had some ups and downs, and I've, I haven't played all of the games just because there've been a few. That when they released, just were I want to say it was Assassin's Creed Liberation. I forget what, what there was one that was set in the French Revolution that was just so bug ridden and messy that it was almost unplayable. That like I you know you so you would think it's run its course, but like they still somehow find you know because the the original game was set in uh, the Middle East in one of the uh, one of the uh, Crusades. And while that was going on, and you're thinking, oh, these guys with you know these hidden blades in their hands and assassins, you know that wouldn't be able to work. Like I know World War One's been rumored at one point. I know you know ancient China's been rumored at one point. Feudal Japan, feudal Japan would be really cool to go to, especially for that game. And and the cool thing with these games is always the historical figures you get to see. I know with Assassin's Creeds two. And then Revelations and Brotherhood. The cool thing with that was you got to meet Leonardo da Vinci hmm. in those games. And then I know in the second one you got to, or the third one, excuse me, you got to meet a bunch of the uh, uh, the th- the third one you got to meet a bunch of the founding fathers for America, right? And even you know even some folks from that story. So it's always cool to see just some of the history. And I know uh, Origins, you got to meet Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. So it's always cool, just as like a you know a casual history fan to just go, oh my gosh, it's that person, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, the history lessons you you get from are very cool. Like, oh yeah, I, I would be worried if they wind up in space. Oh uh, yeah, never say never though, because hey, Tom Cruise is going to do that a space, a space movie with NASA. Yeah, I, I, I he's, can't. He's going to beat Vin Diesel into space. I can't wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. I, I still need more time to process that. I, the only thing I want to see space is the new show coming out from Steve Carell, but we already were discussing that for Netflix. Oh my god, I saw the trailer for that. It looks hilarious. The trailer dropped. It looks incredible. Oh, uh, if you haven't seen the trailer, look it up. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about yeah. that. We'll, we'll be talking about that on a later episode. Yep, no uh, doubt. Yep. And then lastly, got an update for Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So of course, everyone, ourselves included, is wondering what's going on with the show. When we're going to get the final episode? And uh, Greg Nicotero, of course, the makeup artist extraordinaire and also uh, producer of the show, gave an interview uh, with the folks over at Sci. Wire. Uh, and of course, if you all remember back on April 5th, they aired the penultimate episode, the tower and basically left, left us all going, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Beta's on the doorsteps of Alexandria with the horde and he's ready to just raise all sorts of hell. 
and in the in the interview, Nicotero actually told him how close uh, they had gotten to finishing the episode before things got shut down. Uh, he said, "Quote, you know." It wasn't even really a push as much as, traditionally speaking, you end up delivering the final episodes a couple of weeks before the episode airs. You got to do sound, you got to do quality checks, you got to do sound effects and music and visual effects and color timing. There's a lot of things that happen sort of like right at the last two or three weeks before the episode airs. So we were literally days away from finishing the episode when we had to sort of make sure everybody that was working was safe. So we had to kind of slow that stuff down, close quote. So it's understandably safety first. We know we've been saying it here, never a fault with that, you know? So it sounds like they're very close. They might have just maybe some pickup shots to do some final visual effects to work on, but it sounds very close. Uh, and it kind of goes, you know, on with, you know, the article I'm reading from, uh, of course, some from sci-fi.com, uh, that says we quote, we heard Jeff star, Jeffrey Dean Morgan tease the finale as a mini walking dead movie of sorts. And now Nicotero's take only adds to the, that tease saying, Listen, the episode's fantastic. Wraps up a lot of great stuff from the season and sets up perfectly for next season. Corey Reed, who wrote the script, did a great job and all the actors and everybody. So it'll be exciting times when people get the chance to see it. Close quote. But that's not the only thing he updated on. Oh, Ah, Of course, with the pandemic wreaking havoc on all sorts of TV production, movie production, it's given folks who like to write for movies and TVs a lot of time to write, unless your name's George R. R. Martin, in which case you're still taking your goddamn time. (laughs) Finish that book, God damn it! Uh, but no, he gave an update, and, and I know we've been wondering about this too. The Rick Grimes movie that was, yeah. that was announced like two years ago, and we've heard nothing about it other than it's coming. Uh, Nicotero said, "Quote: From what I understand, Mr. Gimple, from Mr. Gimple, the script is well underway. I've looked at a couple of early drafts, but I haven't seen anything lately. But from what I understand, they're digging away at it." One thing about this kind of situation is people that work at home, you know, writers, they're able to take advantage of this time and it's a good time, close quote. So it sounds like they're very, if, as much as it might suck, we didn't get the season finale of Walking Dead when, when we did. It's a, if nothing else, it's helping push along the Rick Grimes movie. As long as it keeps the ball moving forward. Yeah. I mean, obviously the being safe and keeping everybody healthy is the smart move right now. So yeah. I'm not mad about any delays because no, of that. No, I'd rather we wait till it is finally safe for everybody to get that sense of normalcy to go back to work. Yeah. To get shows started again. So I got no issue with this. And if it's going to help get that Rick Grimes project done, because it's, it's still supposed to be three movies, right? The three movies, but the, the article said that the first one is supposed to be about Rick Grimes after his uh, small screen exit. Okay. So as long as it gets it going on that, because, I mean, that one could be another. Yeah. I don't want to even think how many years down the road we're actually going to see the final one. So right. get the ball rolling and get it going. Yeah. Because we're long overdue for that. We're long overdue for the next Game of Thrones book. But, hey, Martin, you're locked in a house and can't go nowhere finish it yeah stay off his live journal yeah yeah just yeah, 2020 and the man still runs a live journal it's it's weird 2020 man uh-huh. 2020 yep that being said the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of shout at the robots but we're gonna be closing with our band of the week and that is second suitor they just dropped their super duper ep on Bandcamp, and it'll be going to apple music and spotify amongst other places this coming friday so Make sure you go over to ochoduroparlayhour.com slash music and go check out where you can find that great music because it is a great EP. We're going to be closing with a new song from that EP for this episode. But to find out about all the music that you hear on the ODPH from Floodlands, from Tom Jolu, from Yard Party, 
and many, many other bands. Go over to the ODPH webpage and check it out. On OchoDuroPolyHour.com, you can also see the ODPH directory, which has links to our good buddy Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still doing Final Fantasy VII the remake. All right. I don't know. Pat is a big fan of that. I know he's yep. he's called you out in the chat a couple times. Uh-oh. So you can, might have to make an appearance on that. You can also check out Excite Wrestling. they got some big stuff coming down the pike. They haven't officially announced yet, but Johnny Moose is teasing something. What exactly, I don't know, but they have their YouTube channel up that you should be checking out. And on the ODPH directory, you can check out all the different pod groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. And shout out to the Apocalypse Community. And, of course, hashtag 607podcast and everybody over at 8122 Productions. You can see what is going on with Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. Still hasn't been kicked off. And you can find out everything going on with Three Fat Nerds Podcast, Horizon 607, and their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions, where they have a new episode coming out from Ron, the I Love Movies Podcast, and more Love is Scary. Oh, boy. Can't talk about it on the air. Been told by three providers, if we go into any detail, we are getting kicked off. So we are going to avoid that. But how do you find out about that? $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. And that's all I'm allowed to talk about for patreon.com slash 8122productions. So go over, check that out, and definitely get hooked on that. And also on Odo, Ocho Duro Parlor. Man, see, I'm so amped up. I can't even talk straight. On OchoDuroParlayHour.com, you can also find links for live stream for The Cure. Going down May 27th through the 31st on twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys. So we are proud to be a part of that great, great podcasting group, creator content, or creators that are going to be going on, raising money to help support the Cancer Research Institute and help kick cancer's ass. Definitely super excited to be a part of that. It's going to be myself, Rich from 3FN, and Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming doing the the worst Video game movies of all time, Pad. Oh, that's a long list. It's a long list, but we're going to shorten it up. And we're going to be talking about the top five games that should have been made into movies. Okay. Now, what is this entitled to you, ODPH Society? Glad you asked. On that same page, you have an early donations link. So if anybody decides to donate between now and May 27th, and you put in hashtag ODPH, shoot us a DM or screenshot that we can see that you have donated and you give us your picks for the worst video game film of all time and the game that should have been made into a film, we will shout you out during the broadcast live on air and read your picks. So if you want to get a little shout-out action going on to all the thousands that are going to be watching on the Twitch stream, we will definitely do that for you with an early donation. And also, coming out later this week, Rich has got the list of what is going to be sold from hashtag 607podcast. So we do have some stuff coming out. All the proceeds that we are selling between now and May 27th are going directly to Livestream for the Cure and is going to be our donation as well, too. So we're definitely going hard for this. We know everything is real tough right now with C19 going on, but if you can donate, please, please consider donating. And at worst-case scenario, please share the event. We want to make this thing as big as possible so we can get as many eyes on this. And the more people that see it, the more people we got a chance to help kick cancer's ass. So definitely all that can be found at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. And thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Cleaning my old room, I found a letter addressed to you, but I never sent it. Because deep down, I never meant a single word. Seen we'd only get along if I would sing your
fed up with where you are? Are you afraid of where you're going? Are you willing to ride your bike to work when it's snowing? Are you fed up with where you are? Are you afraid of where you're going? Yeah.